The following podcast is sponsored by Endgame PR, a social media PR firm based near Richmond, Virginia. To learn more about how Endgame PR can help your business with media relations, social media management, content creation, and even podcast production, please visit endgamepr.com. That's E-N-D-G-A-M-E-P-R.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back on all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special bonus audio-only episode, our host George Templeton is going to run down the season so far, check out VCU facts and stats, and look at how the team's non-conference strength of schedule is shaping up. And now, here's George. Good evening, folks. I was hoping that this pod would be a breakdown of a VCU win over Massachusetts. But as I'm sure you know by now, if you're listening to this pod, that game has been called off due to COVID issues with the Minutemen program. So that's yet another game. And it was yet another game against a team that's, that's as, of the, as of now, in the upper echelon of the conference that's had to be called off and moved. First, it was Davidson. Then it was Richmond. And that was, and of course, we got a we got a game changed. Uh, we were able to get a game changed and moved up so that we could play it. That was St. Bonaventure, and now UMass had one of the better starts that, that they've had in the conference for a long time. Four and two in the league, tied for third as of now with VCU. And as this is going to be the state of the Rams podcast, we're gonna we're gonna start there with 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 the basics, and the basics are VCU. Is tied for third as of now, four and two in the conference, eleven and four overall. I will caution you: this is a bit of a false position for this reason. One, in terms of games played, the conference is all over the place, uh, and of course, uh, you know some teams have only played the six games, like VCU, Richmond, who, who won this after, who won Tuesday afternoon against St. Joseph's. They're four and two; they've only played six. UMass has only played six. George Washington's only played five. Some teams have played seven or eight games, like St. Joe's, Fordham, uh, St. Bonaventure's played seven, Davidson's played eight. Dayton is, is, as I record this now, currently playing their eighth game against St. Louis, who has played until Tuesday night, had played zero conference games, and in fact had not played a game at all since December 23rd. And that is why talking of positions in the conference is a bit false, because St. Louis Who's been the, who's the most impressive team in non-conference play in the Atlantic 10 has been slotted in the tournament for quite a while. And when we get to a segment that is normally reserved for the Facebook fam group I'm in, but is going to be a part of this pod tonight, uh, we'll discuss St. Louis's position uh, in the bracket. Uh, they're, they are finally playing their first game. And what we don't know is, are they going to manage to get their entire conference schedule in? Are they only going to play as many games as they can get in before a certain date that cuts it off? And it's going to be based on their winning percentage compared to other people, other teams, uh, to, to get where they're at. But you you definitely think that they're a team that's going to probably finish in the top four spots. And right now, St. Bonaventure at 6-1 and one looks fairly entrenched, uh, given that they've got the tiebreaker over VCU, as a for instance. Um, so that leaves only two spots to get that buy into the quarterfinals that I believe is so crucial. So that's the basics right now. They're in the top four of VCU with the tie with Richmond and UMass and St. Louis, St. Louis's presence will loom large 
Now, if they lose to Dayton uh, to open up their conference schedule, that that may change things. But as of now, uh, I'm going under the assumption that Day- that that St. Louis will be in the top four of the conference when, when when we get to the conference tournament, and they will occupy one of those coveted spots uh, that gets you straight through to the quarterfinals. So that's the basics. Now I'm going to introduce you to to a segment that to something that we do that I do. Uh, weekly on the uh, good, the bad, the ugly VCU basketball fan page. Which, if you're listening to this and you want to, you want to see that, see that. Some of the other things that some of our uh, fans po- post regularly. Uh, one of the other things I'm going to talk about tonight is something that I post there regularly. And when I get a chance to, well, Facebook Live videos on the page, you go to like that page and you can see all that. And it's called VCU by the numbers. And what we do is when we get and we get a significant sample size in the season. We kind of look at their season numbers and we look at certain metrics and certain things that I think really measure where VCU's at. We start with the two brackets that we look at, which are Joe Lenardi's bracket on ESPN and Jerry Palm's bracket on CBSSports.com because as far as I'm concerned, those are the two people you can trust. Those are the two people that are most honest and most fair about evaluating teams and especially non-Power 5 teams. Uh, they have a pretty good insight into how the committee's going to rule, and both of their guy, both of those gentlemen, that's their goal is to try to anticipate what the committee's going to do, not what they think should happen, not what they hope is going to happen. When we start, we'll start with Lenardi, who's had VCU in the bracket as the AQ on occasion. It's had VCU in its next four out in the at-large pool. It is VCU's not on the board this week. What is interesting is that Penn State who VCU lost a tight one to is listed as next four out, even though they're down there in that bottom quadrant of the Big Ten. Utah State, who VCU beat, we're going to talk a lot more about them in a little while, and Richmond, who VCU has yet to play, are in the first four out. So he has two – Lenardi has two A-10 teams in as of now. St. Bonaventure is the automatic qualifier because they're the first-place team. He has them as 12 seed in Region 3. St. Louis. Uh, who's been in this bracket? Been in this bracket from the jump, uh, and their their seating has kind of bounced around a little bit in part because they they haven't played for so long, so they're tough to evaluate. He has them as a seven seed, also in that region three. He's calling it region three because uh, you know I I don't think they know what specifically what region is going to be what when they get right down to it with this uh, tournament. It's going to be all in the state of Indiana. Then we go over to Jerry Palm and his bracket. And VCU is on the board in this bracket. He has him in his first four out. So he has him significantly further up the line and waiting on uh, one of these teams to stumble in front of them. Interestingly enough, you look at you look at their last four in and first four out, you see Utah State, who again VCU defeated, and is VCU's best win by a long way as of now. Uh, he's got them in the last four in, and he's got a very interesting – first four out because it's some serious blue bloods, North Carolina, Maryland, Michigan state. And there's VCU with them. Uh, let's see here. I'm pretty sure he's got St. Bob. He's got St. Louis as a five seed in, in one of the regions here in the Bay. He calls it in, in his mind. He calls it the banker's life region two. I'm pretty sure he has St. Bonaventure as the AQ and I just got to find them first. Oh, uh, well, actually he, he's got, uh, let's see here. Where is it? I, I'm going to find it in a second. Uh, here I do apologize because it's it's hard to it's hard to seek these things out. Uh, well, he may not have St. Bonaventure's the AQ because he's thinking maybe maybe uh, St. Louis 
wins wins that conference as it is. So, but he's got St. Louis in there, and uh, and I'll look for uh, I'm going to look for uh, St. Bonaventure while I'm talking here. So, you know, the A10s had a decent non-conference. Uh, they they're beating themselves up, which is something that that happens a lot. Uh, he's got St. Bonaventure as an 11 seed. So I, I was looking on the wrong line there. He, he's got them as an 11 seed. And they are in the play-in. No, they're not in the play-in, so they're not one of them. He's got them in the Hinkle, in one of the Hinkle regions in round one playing Louisville, oddly enough. Um, but, you know, the A-10's fairly strong. Uh, the net has liked them. They've had – they've had. Uh, I think Dayton was just outside the top 100, but they've had, I think, five teams in the top 100 in the net for a while. And what they've done is beat each other up. So, you know, there's, there's, that's going to make, that could make things tough and turn on the at large side uh, for some of the schools that are going to be, that could be in this at large pool, like a Richmond, uh, like a VCU. Uh, Let's go to the ratings now. And there's two, the net, the NCAA's net tool, the net evaluation tool, because that's now the official thing they use instead of RPI. That's one of the numbers we put out there. VCU is at, sitting at 45. Uh, they do not have a quad one win as of now. Utah State has been a quad one win in the past and may return to that. Uh, when we get to the tales from the non-conference, we will talk a lot more about them and their situation. But as of now, VCU is a top 50 team, which is good. But they don't have a quad one win, which is not. And there's going to be some opportunities to do it. There's going to be some of these road games coming up. That they've got that they've gotten conference play could give them that opportunity. They would certainly have a quad one win if they had managed to pull that game out of Penn State. That's that's the one that that hurts the most because they were really close in that game. They could have had a quad one win with St. Bonaventure on the road. And we know what happened in the second half, and the less said about that, the better. And then of course West Virginia, uh, who is uh, very highly seated in these in these brackets as well. Uh, they've been as high as a two seed in some of these brackets. I think they've dropped down to about a three or a four now. As I look, there are four in the Lenardi bracket, and I think in the uh, in the Palm bracket, I think they're about a four as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're they're in the four seed re- range there uh, on that line in the Palm bracket. So Net Net likes them a lot, though. I mean, even without a quad one win, they're in the top fifty. Uh, they've fallen rather significantly in the Ken Palm because they've been in the top – they've been in, in in and around the top 50 for most of the while. But now in Ken Pomeroy, uh, his metrics are really, really good. You know, he adjusts he, – he, he factors in things like the pace of the game and tempo, and he, and he takes it and measures you by offensive and defensive efficiency, essentially how many points per 100 possessions do you allow and how many points do you score per 100 possessions – and that's how he rates you. And VCU has been doing fairly well uh, in 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 the Ken Palm stats, and you can find those on KenPalm.com. They've been doing fairly well in that all year, but they have taken a tumble recently, and that's due to their offense. They're now down to 61st uh, in Ken Palm, and interestingly, uh, they're they're behind some very interesting teams. One of them is Richmond. And one of them is Memphis, one of uh, VCU's other uh, pretty good non-conference wins. Uh, and the reason VCU's fallen down is the offense. The offense, which was you know right around when the first when I first looked at this at the start of the season, they were right around the top 100. And when you think about two years ago, two years ago they had a great defense. They were top five in defensive efficiency in the country, but their offense was absolutely awful. It was in the 160s. 
It's still better than that now, but it has fallen significantly. They're now down to 123rd in offensive efficiency. Their defense, which when I looked at this a few days ago, was actually in the top 10 uh, by virtue of some very good defensive performances from the teams around them. VCU's actually fallen to 15th in defensive efficiency. Uh, They're behind uh, some really, really good teams, though. I mean, just about everybody that's that's a major player or is likely to be a major player uh, come – come marches ahead of them. Virginia, who they actually were ahead of not too long ago, Gonzaga, Baylor, Tennessee, Houston, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin are all ahead of VCU uh, in defensive efficiency. Virginia, what is interesting, and interestingly enough too, former uh, VCU coach Chaka Smarts, Texas is ahead of them. They're ninth in defensive efficiency. What is interesting is who else is? Two teams that, again, we're going to mention quite a bit when we get to tales from the non-conference. Memphis is ahead of them. They're fourth. Utah State's ahead of them. They're sixth. So both of them were really great defensively, like VCU, and VCU beat them both, uh, but they both struggle offensively. And uh, what is, oh, what is, so that's interesting that VCU is one of the reasons they fell to 61 is that they've taken a fall in defensive efficiency, even though they haven't played a game and won't play a game until this weekend. Uh, in terms of tempo, they're one of the faster teams in the country when you think about it. They're 61st in tempo. And when you look at the team's in front of them in defensive efficiency, only Gonzaga, who are seventh, so the seventh fastest team in the country, and Memphis, who are 58th, and Alabama, who are 10th, uh, are faster than them. So again, in a in a in a, uh, in a division one that now has, let me see here, because I think we've had, we've added more teams. That now has 357 teams in it. Since we've added, I think Carlton State and Bellarmine are now in Division One or coming up to Division One. 357 teams in it, and VCU 61st. It means they are – that's a fairly fast team you're talking about here. Their non-conference strength of schedule, uh, at least according to the adjusted scoring mar- margin metric that Ken Pomeroy uses, is 135th, which is okay, not great. Um, and so – and so he, and, he look, and he bases that on, you know uh, – the uh, opposition offenses that you faced and the opposition defenses that you faced. Um, and, and VCU's opposition offenses uh, are average about 100 or about 127th in offensive efficiency. So again, about the top third of, of the nation uh, uh, in terms of the strength of schedule of the offenses they faced. And it's funny because they are behind Kentucky in the net, even though Kentucky's five and 10, but that's in part because uh, they have faced, uh, some of the toughest offenses and defenses, and they've played one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country. They have 22nd ranked non-conference strength of schedule, uh, according to the metrics that uh, that Ken Pomeroy uses. And and when you think about it, a lot of the teams that are in front of them are teams that that play these guaranteed games all over the country, uh, and and you know you don't you don't see a lot of Power Five teams. You don't see any Power Five teams, in fact, in front of them in terms of. Uh, except for Boston College, who were right in front of them at 21st. I mean, most of the Power 5 teams aren't playing as tough a non-conference schedule as Kentucky is, as for instance. Uh, just, to, just to show that example, that's one of the reasons that Kentucky, even though they're 5-10, and 10, are ahead of uh, VCU in the, in the net, uh, excuse me, in, the, in, in Ken Palm's metrics. And I think they're ahead of Richmond as well, if I'm not mistaken, even though Richmond beat them. Yeah, Richmond's 57. So we're not doing as well there as we have been previously, and that's down to this team's offense. Offensively, overall for the season, it's still not bad. Uh, when you when you look at the, when you look at the uh, when you look at conference statistics, 
you won't be unsurprised to find out that the leading scorer for VCU, Bones Highland, is third in scoring uh, in the conference. Uh, and that's that's not a shock at all. VCU is actually fourth in scoring in the conference behind only St. Louis, Massachusetts, and Richmond, and they're only barely behind Richmond. Uh, and in terms of scoring margin, VCU, and I think this this shows you that even with some of these losses that they've had recently, what a good season they've had up to now. Their third best, only St. Bonaventure, who are nine, who's uh, averages nine point six scoring margin per game, and St. Louis, who's going into tonight and they're losing right now. Scene number nineteen point four, one of the best in the country. But of course, St. Louis hasn't played since December, so. Uh, we're going to see that average, I'm sure, come down, especially if they lose this game to Dayton, which they are currently doing now. So that's where this team is right now. It's a pretty good team that is kind of on the fringes of the at-large pool, but with a continually good performance in conference, and if they can beat some of these big teams that they've got to still play, uh, they have a chance to vault themselves into the at-large pool. Because uh, when you look at some of these things, one thing that stands out to you is the Big Ten is going to get a huge haul and the Big 12 is going to get a huge haul. And then after that, you know, when I look at Lenardi's bracket right now, he's got six SEC and six ACC. That's not a lot for either of those conferences. And they've got teams that are, that are right on the cut line that could fall off. So there's opportunity for the A-10, for a team like VCU, for Richmond, you know, if they fall into the at-large pool for St. Bonaventure, to, to get into this field as an at-large. And, and, and as I said before, the conference had a pretty good non-conference season. You know, VCU played well in that tournament. And uh, in, South, in, uh, in uh, I think it was uh, uh, North Dakota, you know, Dayton had some wins over some Power 5 schools. St. Louis had some wins over some Power 5 schools. They're nationally ranked uh, going into the night, even though they hadn't played for a long time. It, it There was a lot of, there were a lot of good things that came out that that'll help uh, VCU's case if they're going to make the tournament. And one of the things that helps your case the most is how are your non-conference opponents doing? So that's what I like to do. Just post periodically when some of our non-conference opponents are playing. I call it tales from the non-conference. So you know what's going on with the teams that we that were that we faced up against. And we're going to start with the team I've already talked a lot about, which is Utah State. That was the opener. Uh, of the season in that tournament that they had to go and play at, at pretty much the last minute. Uh, VCU stormed home in the second half. They had, they had a fairly big deficit at halftime, and they came absolutely flying home and, and, and won convincingly. Utah State at one point had won 10 games in a row and were undefeated in the conference. They have lost their last two to Colorado State and UNLV, so they now sit second behind Boise State. Boise State's 9-0. and in the Mountain West, Utah State is nine and two. Even still, if they can get back into that top fifty, they'll become a quad one win. We're certainly rooting for Utah State the rest of this year. Hopefully, this little this little blip they have is going to be over. They got they've swept San Diego State, which is which is a big scout for them. Uh, so they've, they swept them, and now you know having lost, having split with Colorado State, and having lost the first one to uh, UNLV, they got to get their own back tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Uh, so by the time this this you hear this, uh, they may be, you might be watching them play on Fox Sports One while it happens. So that's that's one of the big ones for us is Utah State. Also in that tournament, 
they beat Memphis. Uh, Memphis had a fairly slow start uh, to their season, and it looked for quite a while like that win was not going to do much for us, but they are starting to get it together in the American Athletic Conference as I uh, scroll up here to find that. And Memphis is now sitting in second place there behind uh, rampaging Houston, who's 8-1 and one in the conference, 13-1 and one overall. Houston's in the top 10 in the country. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to be in the tournament. And Memphis is like VCU, one of these teams that could be around the fringes of the conference. Uh, Memphis lost a heartbreaker at Tulsa the other week, but they've won three in a row. And and Memphis is start, it, it could end up paying off for us. It'd be really great if they could uh, beat Houston in one of these games because that would be a real nice feather in the cap of the of the Rams. Of course, West Virginia, the nationally ranked, they play in the brutal Big Twelve, one of the conferences that figures to get a lot of teams in. West Virginia currently is four and three, so they're kind of in the middle of the pack in that conference, even though they're only one game behind Texas, who's in second. They're eleven and four overall, uh, so that. That tournament did a lot for VCU uh, and is going to do a lot for VCU. Uh, it could pay big dividends all season. So now let's look at the rest of it. Mount St. Mary's, who VCU defeated uh, fairly handily, uh, was a really great defensive performance in that game. They play in the Northeast, and they had a pretty good start, as I recall, as well, in the Northeast Conference. I get down to it. Uh, Mount St. Mary's is uh, oh, I actually backslid a little bit. They had a good start, but they're now four and three. So they're but they're on the they're on the cusp of the top of that conference. Bryant is leading that conference at six and two, and the two teams in second are four and two: Long Island and St. Francis of New York. So Mount St. Mary's could be could end up being a player in that conference yet. And you're sitting there saying, "Well, Mount St. Mary's is a terrible team. It can't help us if they even win their conference." I just want to remind you one of the things that helped VCU two years ago is that in non-conference play, they had an amazing performance. They ended up, if I'm not mistaken, beating five teams that either won or shared their regular season conference championship or won their conference tournament. And it absolutely boosted their seed. And had they not sabotaged themselves by losing in their conference tournament over, they could have even had a better seed than they got. I think they ended up with a uh, nine seed, if memory serves, and unfortunately lost to St. Mary's excuse me, Central Florida and big old taco fall in that first round. Uh, but, you know, things like that, even these little teams that, you know, are way down there in net and RPI and you think, oh, it's not going to help you. If they go and win their conference, uh, it ends up being – it can end up really looking good because, you know, one of the things the committee looks at is who would you beat that made the tournament? And if you beat teams that win their conference, win their conference regular season, their conference championship and get into the tournament – that is something the committee's going to notice, and and that can help you even if it is a team in the Northeast or a team in the Mid-Eastern Athletic who we're going to talk about next because they played North Carolina A&T. Now, the Mid-Eastern Athletic has been on pause most of a while. Most of the teams have barely played any games. NCA and t swept their only set of games they had. They're 2-0, and so they're technically in first place. Uh, Coppin State's played the most games in that conference along with Norfolk State. Coppin State's 5-1, Norfolk State's 3-3. Three and three. Uh, but there have been COVID issues there. So at some point, hopefully, they're going to get their conference season rolling. they got two teams in the MEAC that haven't played yet. So we'll see if North Carolina A&T ends up helping us in that regard. They've had a decent start in the conference. That brings us 
to, I think it's uh, ODU next, isn't it? Um, no, it's not ODU. Uh, oh, yeah, it is ODU. So we'll talk about them. Conference uh, out of the conference USA. Uh, they and as I scroll up to find that, uh, let's see here. They are in the thick of it there too. They're four and two in Conference USA. Uh, behind only Western Kentucky six and two, and Western Kentucky is a really good team. That's a team VCU could have played in that South Dakota tournament if they'd upset West Virginia and Alabama, Birmingham, who are five and one. So ODU, who's been pretty good in that conference in recent years and won that conference tournament uh, recently, uh, they they figured they could end up being a player in that league, and that could be really good for VCU. I actually skipped over Penn State, uh, who of course VCU lost that well that dagger three. Penn State is under 500. They're five and six, and they're overall they're two and five in that conference. But this is one of the most brutal conferences in basketball. They're a top 40 net team in spite of that. Uh, so again, you know, if Penn State can get around five to 500 in that league, uh, they will be a threat to get in the tournament as an at large, and they will be a help to VCU in their net rating. And and it looks because everybody in that conference room is going to know that that game nearly went to overtime and that VCU was beaten by, you know, a three-pointer at the buzzer. And, and considering that was on the road, that's, that's something that, that will, that will get the attention of the, of, of the committee members. If VCU happens to be in consideration uh, to get in the tournament that and via that route, uh, that brings us to Western Carolina in the Southern, uh, which has been, which is usually one of the better uh, low major conferences in the country. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Western Carolina uh, is having a bad time in conference play. They had a really good start to their season. They're zero and five in the conference. They're on the bottom, so not going to be much help to us in all likelihood. Uh, it, it, again, again, that league is pretty tough. Uh, that top four of Wofford, East Tennessee State, UNC Greensboro, and Furman—they're all really good programs. Uh, and you know, two of those teams I mentioned, Wofford and Furman, are in the top one hundred. Uh, in the net. So they're, they're serious business there, but yeah, Western Carolina struggling there uh, doesn't figure to be much help to VCU when it's all said and done. And then of course, instead of playing LSU, which would have been another opportunity for quad one win, uh, they had to play a makeup game with James Madison uh, out of the colonial, our old, uh, our old stomping grounds there. And I think uh, when I looked at this last, JMU had actually started out pretty decently in the league, and look, and and they have. They're still because I think they've been on a COVID pause too. They're two and one, and like the A10, the A, the uh, CAA is all over the place in terms of games played. Uh, you've got teams like JMU and Elon have only played two or three games, and then you got teams like first place Northeastern have played eight. So we'll see if JMU can can build on the little nice little start they've had in the conference and potentially be a help to us. Uh, so that's the tales from the non-conference. That's the situation there. Uh, and again, I think there's a very good chance that 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 uh, that our non-conference schedule ends up helping us. So let's talk about the players who are doing well. I mentioned Deshaun Highland, third uh, in the league in scoring and number one in terms of three-pointers made per game. Uh, he is. Uh, not that high up there in three-point percentage for game. Our highest uh, VCU Ram there is Vince Williams, uh, who's just outside the top 10 with his 40.7% per- 40. three-point shooting percentage. Uh, but Highland is number one in three-pointers made per game, ahead of Kellen Grady, who's in second. Highland is also, and this 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 speaks to 
something that's been very beneficial to VCU and, and, and harbors good, good, uh, good omens for the for later in the season when we get to postseason play. Uh, Highland is third in the conference in foul shooting. He's eighty five point seven percent, only behind Young Jung Lee of Davidson and Noah Fernandez of Massachusetts. Vince Williams is also in the top ten. He's seventh, eighty one point six percent. And and I bring that up because. VCU's bugaboo, one of their bugaboos has always been foul shooting. Well, that's not the case this year. They are the second best foul shooting team in the conference. How about that? 74.7%, just a shade behind Massachusetts. And why is that so critical? VCU has made the second most free throws in conference in the conference. Only Rhode Island, who has made 258, has made more than the 219 VCU's had. Rhode Island is also far and away number one in free throws uh, attempted, which is why their percentage is not very good. They've attempted 381. VCU's next highest at 293, and that is huge. Foul shooting is what gets you through tournament play. If you make your foul shots, especially at the end of games, you're going to win way more often than you lose. What is interesting is that VCU, because of the way they play, They've also given up a lot of free throws as well uh, in, uh, in terms of free throws three throws allowed, in terms of free throws attempted, second most behind Rhode Island. Again, that we talked about, Rhode Island's opponents have attempted 340 free throws, VCU's 320. VCU's given up the third most free throws. Uh, opponents, VCU's opponents have made the third most amount of free throws at 222, just behind St. Joe's and Rhode Island. But the foul shooting is absolutely critical. Uh, in, in that regard, it just shows you it just shows you how far VCU's come on that. Uh, field goal percentage defense, VCU's second best in the league behind St. Bonaventure. That is that will come as a surprise to no one at all. Uh, let's see here. Rebounding margin. Been a, been a, we've talked a lot about this, about VCU's troubles in the past. They're in the middle of the pack. They're, they, they are out getting out-rebounded for the season, but only by a total of – of four rebounds over 15 games, and that's actually not too bad for them. Uh, let's see here. Let's let's go back to the individuals real quick. Uh, you're probably wondering about Ace Baldwin. Uh, he is seventh in an assist average per uh, per game in the conference. Sixth in assist to turnover ratio. His ratio it's come down a fair bit because he's had some turnover issues lately. Lately, but it's still 2.3 average. In other words, average is 2.3 assists for every turnover per game that's not too bad you've heard of course about VCU's incredible block situation quite amazingly Hassan Ward does not lead the conference in blocks that's go that goes to AJ Wilson of George Mason uh Corey Douglas is also in the top 10 in that category as well and I think you know I want to finish this I want to finish out this uh, bonus pod by by talking about uh this about uh specific players I mean Deshaun Highland is is a is is a conference player of the year candidate will almost certainly end up first team all conference. And, and you can certainly call him VCU's player of the year to this point. I'm not going to argue with it, but I've waxed lyrical many times about Vince Williams and he has had a couple of duff games recently, but Vince Williams to me has played himself into the conversation for all league on one of those teams, if not the first team, second or third and, and his growth and maturation, his game and seeing him, in the top, just outside the top ten in three-point shooting, just outside, you know, in the top ten in foul shooting, along with Highland, it's been so critical for VCU uh, 
that kind of production. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic for them. And, and to me, you know, Vince Williams and Ace Baldwin are kind of your your two two twin metronomes for VCU. You can set your watch by them in the sense that if they're playing well, VCU's probably winning. I mean, Highland is going to score one way or the other. Uh, you don't you don't end up you know averaging eighteen point six points a game and nearly you know leading the conference and scoring. Uh, if that is the case, he's only got James Bishop of George Washington, Trey Mitchell, and UMass ahead of him. But he's going to score one way or the other. It's just a question of efficiency for him. It's the other guys. It's it's Baldwin getting those assists and having that sterling assist to turnover ratio, and it's Vince Williams producing in the manner that he does. That that is how that is how you know VCU's playing well when he gets those two things. And so for me, in that sense. Vince Williams is kind of my by player of the year because of his improvement has been so massive and it's been so critical to VCU's success. And I think, you know, as we're starting to get, as we get to the second half of the conference season, we get to the back end of the season and we've got a, you know, because of these postponements, we've got uh, a really packed schedule coming up. Uh, it, you know, we've talked about it. And if you're part of our the fan group, we talked about it. Uh, I think it's six games in two weeks, essentially, you know, beginning, with uh with next uh with next week's game at Rhode Island, February third, they play Rhode Island the third. They play Duquesne the seventh. They play Davidson, and that's if I'm not mistaken a a, a, a rescheduled game uh, that they're playing there. Uh, uh, actually, no, that's right. It was the first game against Davidson. I think was going to be at Davidson. So you know, playing Davidson the tenth. They're playing Richmond the twelfth. They're playing you know Fordham the fifteenth. They're playing Richmond again the 17th. Uh, so that's six games in two weeks, six games in 14 days, and it's going to really be a tough examination of, of this team and its depth. Uh, you know, three on the you know three on the road, three at home. The good news is one of the road games is is, is Richmond, so you're not taxing you're not taxing yourself too much in that regard. And and as I as I said in the in the last. Uh, recap the second half of Dayton really made me feel good about the rest of this season going forward because it, they were showing the right attitude uh, and they were taking the right mental approach. Now, UMass, which should have been tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, which should have been Wednesday night, would have been a huge test um, because they're four and two in the league, and as of now, they they were a team they were tied with VCU, and it was going to be a huge game. And unfortunately, we're not going to get that. And we hope it's going to get rescheduled at some point. But we're really going to find out. You know, they got LaSalle this weekend, which is still on as of now. And then they're going to play these six games in 14 days. And we're really going to see what's what. Uh, and and this is where that depth, uh, the fact that they share the minutes played like they do, like they do. Uh, nobody on this team averages 30 minutes a game. Only three guys, Highland. Vince Williams, Keyshawn Curry, uh, excuse me, four guys because Baldwin too. Only four guys average over twenty minutes played. So it is, you know, this 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 army concept uh, that that Coach Rhodes is Coach Rhodes is working with here and, and and pushes. It should allow them to get through such a packed schedule of games a lot better than a lot of other teams would. We're going to find that out. Let's also, since we're talking about improved and great players, let's also talk about Hassan Ward. And we mentioned, you know, second in the league in blocks 
and it's just just had just had a crazy crazy amount of uh, improvement in my opinion but such a weapon defensively going to be crucial to this team because defense once again is their calling card and somebody like him has got to be on the floor uh, doing that. Uh, I do want to shout this out from two. Uh, see, he was shooting sixty percent from the field <laughs> as a uh, 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 for the season. Uh, I don't think he's got enough field goals to qualify yet because they usually say they got it. You got to average a certain amount of made field goals per game, uh, and he probably doesn't have enough to qualify. If he did, he'd be second in the conference in field goal shooting. Uh, his 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 improvement has been massive for us. So that is it. Uh, the, there will be a pod. It will probably not be out be out until the next day or, or very late Saturday night after the game at LaSalle. Uh, but there will be a pod, and I will be looking forward to it. I want to thank everybody for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Cod Podcasts. Uh, if you're fo- looking for us on Podbean, follow us on there. Search for Rams Rewind. You'll find us. Thank you all for listening. Have a great night. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, and if you did, and if you do, and you give us some feedback on it, you know, we may do another one of these uh, when we get towards the end of the season. So thank you all for listening. Have a good have a good night, day, whatever it is that you're listening. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.